Sounds like life to me. Amen. I'm thankful that service went the way that it did this morning. And I, Pastor Jonathan asked me what we were going to do, and he said, do you feel that to preach? And I said, I, honestly, I do. The Lord has burdened me with this word for about three weeks, and I really was troubled about ministering it here, to be honest with you, because it's a heavy word. To me, it's very heavy, and, but today I feel, I feel pregnant with this word. And if I don't get it out of me, I'm going to be miserable. And uh, I believe we have just began to break through this morning a little bit. But some things look for attention. But then some things truly desire repentance. Some things get drawn. You know, you have a worldly sorrow. But there's a difference that you feel bad about something and honestly repenting from something. When you repent, that means you don't go back, you don't look back, you don't think back. Repentance literally means not only my feet go a different direction, not only my eyes go a new direction, but my mindset shifts dimensions too. So that means everything about my life changes directions. I don't think the same way. I don't walk the same way. I don't look the same way. As a matter of fact, I believe when a person truly repents with God, people are not only going to, they're not even going to be able to recognize who you are the next time they come around your life. You see, when Joseph's brothers were mad with him because of the favor of God upon his life, they cast him into a pit. But 13 years later, after prison, after the pit, after Potiphar's, Potiphar's wife, accusations, after the prison, guess what? Joseph was still the one that they had to come back to. But listen to this. When Joseph's brothers came back into the presence of Joseph, they did not know that it was Joseph. But Joseph knew who they were. Joseph knew what his brother still looked like. You know why? Because they had not changed. But his brothers were in the presence of Joseph and they did not notice who he was. You know why? Because he looked more like Jesus and they didn't know what Jesus looked like. I just came to tell somebody today everything that you're walking through, everything that you pass through is to bring breakthrough in your life and when people get back in your presence, they're not even going to know who you are because all they're going to know is I'm in the presence of Jesus so don't get bitter in the pit don't get bitter in the prison don't grow bitter when people falsely accuse you know that God is using it for his glory and that God is just setting you up don't look at it as a setback look at it as a setup. God's only setting you up and putting you in proper position so that you can bring provision from your position. I wish somebody would help me preach this morning. God don't waste anything. God doesn't waste anything in your life or my life. Amen. I'm just so, so humbled, man. I just feel such a stirring. I could say 10,000 things, but I just, this word is in me. It's a heavy word. I love your pastor. I, I told him this two days ago that 
I feel more intentional. I want to be more intentional to make him a very dear friend to me. I felt that when we came here last year, but I too truly just honor him. And his wife, Angela, she's over dealing with the devil right now. Thank God. Amen for that. <laughs> Amen. I thank God for people of God that are kingdom-minded. Amen. Because we all have assignments, and it's all about position. Everything that's taking place right now is going to help me preach. It's all about position. Listen to me. This is a positional year. This is a positional year. God is going to strategically position you to prosper. But you have to be sensitive to his spirit. When you are out of position, it's going to open the door for the enemy not only to take you, but to take the generations beyond you. Whenever David was out of position fighting the wrong battle in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and 31, he took his men, 600 men, to fight the wrong fight. And can I tell you what began to happen? When they were over fighting the wrong fight, when they came back to their homeland, Ziklag was on fire. Their families were taken. Their children were taken. Let me tell somebody this morning, if you get caught up fighting the wrong battle, the enemy will move right in. He'll destroy your marriage. He'll take your children. And you'll look and wonder what happened. I can tell you what, you got out of position. Stay in position. Be sensitive to where you're walking because the enemy's looking for people that are out of position. If this is the church that you've been called to, stay in your position. Stay in your position because the enemy's looking. He's watching. He's lurking. Last year, I remember getting in this pulpit and the Lord gave me a word. I didn't even get to preach. I just released a word and the Lord showed me the woman bowed over for 17 years with a spirit of infirmity. When I saw that woman, I didn't see the spirit of infirmity over this church. I saw a church that was only halfway. I'll be honest with you, Thursday night when I walked in, I saw a totally different church. I saw a church that was standing up fully. I saw a church that was no longer bowed over. I saw a church that was standing up walking in the will of God. But not only were you walking, I saw a valley of dry bones that the breath of God had came down and blew in. And you were no longer dry. You were no longer divided. You were no longer dead. But instead, you were the army of Israel that had stood up. And now you are the army of God. Amen. I've seen where God has breathed his life on dry people, on dry places, on people that were divided and dislocated. He's put you in proper position to prosper. You're an army. But when you stand up, you get a bullseye on your back. Because now you stand out. My God. You're not only standing up, but now you're standing out. And when you begin to stand out and lead a church, brother, that's standing rightfully, not in arrogance, but you're walking in the will of God. Now I'm in position. Now I'm prospering in my life. I can tell you all of hell has just begun to set up regional demons over this house. And he begins to look for places that he can begin to get in. And so I just need to tell this house, you better get in position if you're out. And when you get in position, you better stay there. You better stay in position because the enemy's looking for somebody to get out for one moment. Because the moment you step out, he said, now I can step in. And so I need to tell this house, you better get in proper position and you better not move out of the way because I'm telling 
telling you the devil's looking because not only have you stood up, but now I came to tell somebody at New Life, now you're standing out. But when you begin to stand out, the enemy said, now they're a threat to the kingdom of hell. I believe California is going to get saved through this house. Hallelujah. If you believe it, praise God a minute. Hallelujah. I see the river flowing out of this house as Ezekiel saw it from the throne of the temple. Ah. And I see this river beginning to get deeper and deeper. Some of you came in this week and this morning and you're only ankle deep. But before you leave this week, you're going to be swimming in the water. What's been hard for some of you is going to become recreational. You're going to begin to swim. And the river's just going to overcome some of you. It's going to engulf your life. It's going to engulf your desires. It's going to engulf your agendas. It's going to engulf your finances. It's going to engulf your 401ks. Some of you are going to leave everything at this altar and say, Lord, I have one desire, and that is to swim in your river. Whatever it costs me, take it, Lord, because I'm willing to pursue you, oh God. Lord, I want nothing that this world has to offer me. There's kingdom builders in this house. I see a territorial anointing over this house. Ah. This building is not going to be able to contain the river that's about to flow. This is a revival house. You better get ready, Pastor Jonathan, for multitudes to begin to flow into this house. For you have even said, <laughs> I didn't understand why I kept seeing the little boy that brought his lunch to Jesus. And the Lord showed me you now, with the purity of your heart, you're the little boy that his mom made a sack lunch. And you have felt like this is all you've got to offer God. You have looked at many around you and before you and behind you and thought, surely they are much greater than I. But the Lord said, son, I am well pleased with you. 
the Lord would say to you today, I am proud of you, my son. I've not called you to compete or to compare. For you are my son who sits on the side. And therefore, I say to you today, you've been willing to give me your lunch, five loaves and the two fish. For I say unto you this day, I've broken you. But I've broken you on purpose. <laughs> For I've broken you with purpose. And you have to know that when I broke you, I only broke the limitations off of you. <laughs> because the five loaves of bread could only feed but a few. But when I broke the bread, I broke every limitation off. For now, you will feed multitudes, says the Lord. <laughs> You will feed me on what your lunchbox could carry. There's a territorial, regional anointing worldwide upon your life and upon this house. The Lord said, I have released an apostolic anointing over you and upon this house. For you will not only raise up, but you will also send out. As I open the door next door, I will continue to open other doors that no man can shut. For increase has come to you and upon this house. Start looking for a bigger building. This church changed my life last year. This week last year changed the trajectory of my life and my outlook of ministry. I love foreign missions, and I told your pastor, I said, this trip last year gave me such a heart and a burden for America. The Lord has shut foreign missions off for me, not our church, but for me. And he began to open doors to travel in this nation like never before after leaving here last year. I began to saw a lack of Pentecostal churches being baptized in the Holy Ghost operating in the call that God has placed upon their life. There's so much that is lacked in the church in America. So much. So I've got a word over this house. If you'll just bear with me. If you'll bear with me. I know we've done a lot already. But I believe I've got a word for this house. Now hear me. Hear me, hear me well right now. I would hate for you to receive the word and not respond. Because this is a word of repentance today. It's a word of repentance. And there are people that have named the name of Jesus, but you're away. I'm going to tell you there are secret sins and leadership in this house. There's things that some of you swept under the rug and not talked about or dealt with. Not only in leadership, but people 
that have claimed the name of Jesus for a long time. There's people here that you've said that there were things in your life that you would take to the grave. Well, let me tell you this. It'll take you to your grave quicker than you'll take it because you're going to be accountable after this morning. See, the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 11 and chapter 12, it says that at the springtime of the year, that it was the time for kings to be in battle. Well, how many of you know the word of God speaks about King David? The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. We know that David was anointed at 15 or 16. The prophet Samuel came to Jesse's house, and, and Samuel was about to pour the oil over seven of his brothers. But I, I, I heard a pastor say one time, he said, when Samuel the prophet filled his horn up with oil, whenever he got to Eliab, he said he was about to pour the oil over Eliab. He said, but the oil stopped. If God had not put his finger over the horn of oil, then this prophet Samuel would have anointed the wrong man to be king. So many times we don't deal with rejection properly. God tuned the prophet Samuel up and he said this. He said, how long are you going to mourn over Saul? He said, get up and, and fill your horn with oil and go to Jesse's house. Some of you need to quit mourning over what you had yesterday. And you need to get up and you need to put oil back in your horn. Come on, somebody. I said you need to quit mourning over Saul. Saul's not your leader any longer. Saul is not your king any longer. And so what happens a lot of times is we begin to respond in rejection prematurely. So don't just be emotional people and start putting oil on everything. And so he went through seven brothers in the house. And then the prophet said this, well, is there yet another? And they were all kind of like, well, the sheep. Samuel said, go get him. We won't sit down until he comes. Do you know why he said we won't sit down? Because the prophet is honoring a 15-year-old boy because the king's about to walk in. See, the problem in the church today, we've lost honor. We'll sit on anything and we'd honor no thing. Let me tell you what, you got to be careful because the Bible said if you want the prophet's reward, you got to honor the prophet. If you want what's your pastor and what flows through them, then you've got to honor them. Don't mean you got to even like them, but we better honor them. Amen. You got to honor. And so Samuel anoints David at 15 years old. 16 years old, whatever. But guess what David did with his anointing? He didn't look for a pulpit or a platform. He went back to the pasture. My God. Don't get a little oil on your life and start looking for microphone platforms and pulpits. Get back in your proper position. Be anointed to take care of the sheep in the pasture. Because there's always a process. There's always a process to promotion. You can't just get a little oil on your head. You can't just get a little oil on your head and think that promotions automatically come into your life. Because if you skip the process of the pasture, then surely pride's going to overtake your life. And we wonder why a lot of people that's got giftings and anointing upon their life gets a microphone in their hand and they can preach good for a little bit. But the moment that the first trial comes, come on, their pride causes a great fall. You know why? Because they skip the pasture, brother. And the pasture teaches you how to deal with the lion and the bear. 
If you can't deal with the lion and the bear, you surely can't deal with the giant that's about to come out. Don't skip the process of the lion and the bear. If your place is in the pasture, then your sheep better smell like the oil that was just poured over your head. And so then we know there are three anointings upon David's life. He's anointed in the pasture. He's anointed over Judah, which is praise. And the third anointing, he's anointed over all of Israel. But there was a process to all three anointings in his life. And so you wonder why there's a process going on in your life. Because you have to go through the process before God can trust you with a different level of anointing. And so here's King David, a man the Bible said is after God's own heart. But in 1 Samuel chapter 11, the Bible says that it's the time of the spring and all kings are to be at war. So they're to be on the battlefield. Let's just look at it because I don't want somebody to think I'm making this up. Y'all still, y'all good. Chapter 11, 2 Samuel. Here's what the Bible says. And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth, To what? To battle. That David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off of his bed and he walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing, watch out, washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him. And he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. I titled this message, Bring Forth to Breakthrough, and Breakthrough Brings to Birth. Bringing forth to breakthrough, and breakthrough bringing forth to birth. My second subtitle, I guess, You belong in the battle, not in the bed. You belong in the battle, not the bed. (laughs) See, some of you came up in here because God told me three weeks ago. He said, Jared, I I didn't want to preach this. I'll be honest with you. But the Lord sent me on a mission for this morning. And he said, there's some people that are sleepy-headed and they're in the bed and not on the battlefield. So David was supposed to be on the battlefield. But instead of being on the battlefield, David was in the bed. So let me tell somebody this. When you're out of position, you'll put yourself in wrong positions. See, it's easier to get in the wrong position when you're not in the right position. David was called to be on the battlefield, but instead David was on the bed. And I don't know about you, but whenever you're laying down in bed instead of where you're called to be, anybody just love waking up in the morning? Real early in the morning, you're just excited about the day. I like getting up, but not everybody does. But even if you like getting up, you got to get your bearings about you, right? 
the sleep out of your eyes. See, the church has been lulled to sleep. See, we like the comforts of our bed because the battlefield, you don't get much rest. My God. I said on the battlefield, you don't get much sleep. And see, some of us like to pull the covers back up over our head and just stay in the bed a little while because some of you, depression's become your best friend. You'd rather stay in the bed and close the curtains so nobody knows what's going on and the beds became very comfortable to you. But I came to tell somebody today, you belong on the battlefield. You don't belong to stay in the bed. See, as what happens is when you stay in the bed, you not only stay in the bed and get sleepy, but you lose your vision the only vision that you can see is the back of your eyelids and when you just wake up you got to get the sleep out of your eye some of you need to wake up arise oh sleeper and get up out of the bed and get the sleepy time out of your eyes so you can get your vision back we got to get our vision back church and whenever we don't have clear vision Listen, we begin to walk places that we shouldn't be walking. (laughs) So the first place that David did whenever he got up out of the bed was he began to walk on the balcony. My God. He began to walk on the balcony. Listen to this. David got up out of bed and began to walk on the balcony where he would see Bathsheba. When you are out of position and not where you belong, you are sure to begin to walk in areas where you shouldn't walk. If he had been walking on the battlefield, he would have never walked on that balcony. In that moment to see her bathing, the gospel says, if a foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Let me tell you what, what are you willing to give up not to go to hell? I said, what are you willing to give up not to go to hell? You see, David, whenever he got up out of the bed, he began to walk in a position that he did not belong. You see, if he would have been in the battlefield, he would have never found himself on a balcony. But when you begin to walk on the balcony, and whenever you get up out of the bed, you'll begin to walk in places you're not called to be walking. And whenever you're not in position, it opens the door for great temptation to come to your life. You see, if he'd have been on the battlefield, he'd have never seen the woman. Never seen her. Get in position. The second thing the Word of God tells us whenever he began to walk on the balcony, verse 2 says, And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off of his bed. And he walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, is not this Bathsheba? The second thing that David saw whenever he began to walk out on the balcony was a beautiful woman. The Bible says that she was beautiful to look upon. Listen to me very closely. When you are out of position and you have sleepy eyes, you lose clear vision and the things that shouldn't be beautiful to you become beautiful. My God. See, you lose the heart of God. See, if David would have been in position, 
he'd have probably seen blood everywhere. He'd have probably seen dead bodies everywhere. Now you say that's not very beautiful, but that was where he was called to be, brother. Let me tell you what, sometimes in the kingdom of God, I've seen a lot of people trade positions for things that look glamorous. I felt an attack the last two days. And then I got word yesterday about what happened on the mountain. And the Lord began to impress upon me. He said, I got you right where I want you. Church, you need to know that God's not made a mistake. Let me tell you what he expects every one of you to be here all week. Because this is the position God wanted us in this week, not on the mountain. See, what happens is we begin to lose heart for the battle. But what we shouldn't look to as beautiful begins to become beautiful to us. You begin to lose your conviction about sin, and sin becomes attractive to some of us. You begin to look at things a little bit too long. Maybe you click back on that Facebook post that you know the Lord said, don't you go back there. We begin to look at things, and we begin to, begin to lust over things that we shouldn't be lusting over. But if David would have been in proper position, I can assure you this, it would have never been beautiful to him. You know what would have been beautiful to him? It's fighting in the war. Amen. Fighting on that battlefield. Seeing his men lined up in, in, in unity. Going out to battle on the front lines. Can I ask somebody this morning, what is beautiful to you today? What attracts you today? Because if you are called to be on the battlefield, then you got to get out of the bed. Because if you're laying in the bed, things are going to begin to pull on you that don't supposed to pull on you. Things that's not supposed to be beautiful will turn beautiful when we're out of position. Bathsheba was a married woman. My God. Bathsheba was a married woman, and that word, he looked upon her, literally means to cause to look intently at. What are you intentional at what you're looking at? What are you intentional about? Do you know what? Sometimes you have to be intentional not to look at something. Sometimes you have to be intentional not to do something. But what happens is we just so easily give in like David did. And then we say, well, I couldn't help it. You couldn't help it. Well, let's back up to what verse 1 says. Get in proper position in the battlefield and you can help a lot of things. See, some of us need to go back because some of us are in position today and you just got your hand on your hip. Well, I just can't help it. It was just in front of me. It's time that the church grow up and take responsibility and take ownership and begin to say, you know what? If I'd have been on the battlefield, I'd have never been on the balcony. And what I shouldn't be looking at would never be beautiful to me. You know what would be beautiful to me? It's soldiers lined up, fighting on the front lines. The church of God, I can tell you what's beautiful to me. Not buildings, not big stuff, but people down in this altar throw up on the ground. Deliverance taking place. This is what's beautiful to me. This is what attracts me. And this is what attracts Jesus. 
Jesus is attracted to this house. Let me just tell you, Jesus isn't attracted to you in your bed. You want to know why it was so easy for David to do all of that stuff? Because guess where God was? On the battlefield. He was helping those men, holding their hands up. David, if this is the life you want, then go get it. I'm going to make it real easy for you. Well, I, I must have been God. It wouldn't have been that easy. Must have been God because he sure made it easy. You know what? I fell out of love with my wife a long time ago, and it was just easy. Let me tell you what. If, if another man's wife is more beautiful to you than your own, So he intentionally looked upon her life. Can I ask some of you, what are you intentionally looking at? Has pornography got a grip on you? Young kids, does pornography have a hold on you? Are you watching YouTube and all of a sudden something pop up and you go back to it? What's on your cell phones? Does your cell phones have a lock on it, husbands and wives, children? Does your cell phone have a lock on it? Because I can tell you this, if you're trying to keep people out and your, 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 your partner don't have the, the code to that, guess what? It's the same revealing your heart. Your heart's got a lock on it too. Why are you keeping people out? Sin will become beautiful to you whenever you're out of position. Then it becomes easy access. Well, it must be the Lord. What if it's your flesh? Because the book of James says that every temptation comes from within. And whenever sin gives birth, guess what happens next? Death happens. See, some of you are here today and you're playing games with God. Some of you think that it's just okay for you to sit where you are and not be on the battlefield. But God knows right where you are. God knows what's within because God looks upon the heart. And so David began to look at another man's wife and she became beautiful to him. And I even love how, you know what, there were opportunity for David not to give in to her. He sent messengers to her. And she sent messengers back to him and said, I'm the daughter of so-and-so and the wife of Uriah. Well, you better know to keep your hands off Uriah's wife. But David said, nah. Your pastor has led you to deep places with God. But some of you say, well, he really didn't mean that. Nah. Well, God's word, we don't have to take it that serious. He didn't really mean that for the time and era that we live in right now. That was for them back then. The word looked upon means to look intently at, to behold, to cause, to gaze at, to observe, or to watch, or to give attention to. Some of you have been watching something for a long time, waiting on your opportunity to move. I ask you today, what has your attention? And has sinful things become attractive and beautiful to you 
because your vision is impaired because you have sleepy eyes that should be seeing soldiers instead. My God. I'm going somewhere. The third thing that happened when David was out of position and in the bed and not on the battlefield was, of course, what we just said, Bathsheba. This woman became beautiful, and David sent messengers to find out who she was. And she said, the wife of Uriah, but David didn't have the battle on his mind. All he could think about was the bed. All he could think about was the bed. And if that's where you're at, that's all that you can think about. Because whenever you're out of proper position, you put yourself in wrong positions. And being in the wrong position is what's going to consume your life. It will consume you. And so all David could think about was the bed. And so guess what his agenda was? To get that beautiful woman in the bed with him. Ain't nobody going down alone, brother. If I'm going down, I'm going to get somebody to go down with me because bad company loves. Don't get quiet on me now. Don't get quiet on me today. Anybody don't never like to go down alone, do they? Come on, somebody. Because if I'm going down, you're going down with me, right? So if David's going to be disobedient, surely I'm going to drag another man's wife in the bedroom with me. Don't get quiet on me. Now help me shout a little bit. But David didn't have the battle on his mind. All he could think about was the bed. Most of the time when we're out of proper position, we don't like to be there alone. So we invite others into our disobedience to help water down the conviction. Bad company corrupts good character. And we become intimate with the wrong things and begin to produce a generation outside of the will of God. <laughs> because if you're idle in the bed, I promise you, you're not just going to sit there, baby. You're going to begin to get intimate with the wrong things. And let me just tell somebody, when you get intimate with the wrong things outside of the will of God, that that you produce will not live. It will die. Whew. She was beautiful. Her name was Bathsheba, but Bathsheba was another man's wife. David wasn't supposed to be with Bathsheba. Now listen to me very closely. You're still with me. I want to turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 12. There's a long story in between all of this, and most of you know this story. I'm building. I'm building. Kind of like build a bear. You got to pick out what you want first. <laughs> then you got to put stuff in, in it. Put a heart in it if you want to. Rub it. You know, throw it in there. Then buy clothes. We're building a bear. So then David says to Joab and his men on the battlefield, well, I got to cover my sin now. I got to cover all this mess up I made. Because now Bathsheba's pregnant. You mean to tell me over one time in the bed she done got pregnant? Come on, somebody. That's all it takes, ain't it? 
How many of you know the word says your sin's going to find you out? Just give it a few months. See, the problem is people think they can get away with it because the results aren't immediately. <laughs> but give it nine months. Or give it one. You're going to know because your sins will find you out. Man, I can't believe this found me out. Why not? See, we take God's grace for granted. We think because the consequences aren't immediately, then God forgot about it. But the fruit will always follow the foundation that your life is built upon. God put upon my heart this year we're going to see the church healthy. We're not going to see the bride a harlot any longer. We're not going to see the bride wounded any longer. We're not going to see the bride a prostitute laying with everything any longer because of wounds. The Holy Spirit told me, he said, where you go to go, he said, you're going to see the bride healed. He said, you're going to see the bride whole. You're not going to see the bride getting in the bed because my husband's on the battlefield. You hear me this morning, church. If word comes to you and you're a Bathsheba, I don't care how anointed one may seem. When the messenger comes, say, my man's on the battlefield, not in the bed. <laughs> you listen to me, bride. Don't you dare lower your standards and get in the bed with a man out of position. Don't you dare begin to grow intimate with things, with people that are not in their place. You better be careful who you drink coffee with. If people aren't in proper position, they'll try to pull you out of position. One thing I found out is you got hill climbers and you got hill grabbers. Aaron and her helped Moses climb the hill. And whenever Moses was tired, they pulled him up and they pulled him into position. But what I found out about a hill grabber is like Jacob will try to pull that brother back down and take his position. You better know who you're running with. You got hill climbers in your life or do you got hill grabbers in your life? I'm telling somebody Hill grabbers will try to pull you out of position and steal your blessing and your birthright. Come on, somebody, and praise him today in this house. Hill climbers will pull you up in position. And not only will they pull you up in position, but they'll hold But heel grabbers will yank you out of position. Because they want what you got, brother. God quickened me last Wednesday and he said, be careful who you allow close to you in this season. He said, because some people want the blessing and the birthright that's on your life. He said, and they got a hold of your heel and they're trying to pull you out. So when Jacob couldn't get Esau out of position then, then he got his mother lured in with him to lie to his own daddy. Let me tell you what, there's some wicked people in this kingdom. There's some wicked people in this world. I'm telling you, there's some wicked people in the church. Don't let people fool you. Know who you're close to. Know who's close to you, you hear me? Don't you dare get in the bed with a man that's not where he belongs. You be careful who you allow into your house. 
You hear me, church? You hear me? You honor this man. Don't grab a hold of his heel. You grab a hold of his hands. You hear me? Don't dare grab his heel. You grab his heel, you want to trip him up, but you grab his hands. And you hold his hands in position because there's Joshua's on that battlefield that's counting on his hands to be high. And when his hands aren't high, Joshua's are looking over their shoulders saying, Jonathan, Father, get them hands back up. He's a spiritual father to many of you. He's a grandfather to some of these babies. And if his hands are weary, some of you are counting on his hands to be high. And when his hands go down, you're looking over your shoulder. You're saying, Pastor. You're saying, Brother. You're saying, Mentor. You're saying, Whatever. Get your hands back up. I need to win this battle. Get them hands up, man of God. Get them hands up, man of God. Hallelujah. thing I've learned. You try to grab my heel, I'm going to kick you in your teeth. What I tell you this morning? What I tell you, Kyle? <laughs> I saw his boots. I said, we're going to kick the devil in his teeth. Oh, yeah, he don't got none. He's a roaring lion, but he's a toothless lion. <laughs> and he ain't even got false teeth to put in his mouth. Come on, somebody. Whew. Be a hill climber, not a hill grabber. <laughs> so whenever you begin to get intimate with the wrong things outside of the will of God, you begin to produce babies. I tell you, we got a fatherless generation. You wonder why violence and crime is the way that it is. I got born again in jail. And I was scared going in there. But when I got to jail and began to talk to some of those men, I said, man, they're crybabies just like me. They've been hurt. Just like me. They want love. Just like me. They want God. Just like me. I didn't know what I was looking for. Roger, but God came looking for me. You didn't want the life that you was living. You did. God came looking for you. You know what you wanted? A dad to hold you. Say, son, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. 
Roger, today your father wants to know he's proud of you. Your heavenly father's proud of you. He's pleased with you. You don't have to do anything to strive for his acceptance. You don't have to hurt yourself or anybody else. Do anything special to be noticed. Your heavenly father notices you. Come right here and let's pray with this brother. This man right here stood out to me all service. The father is drawn near to you. The father's near your weakness. He's near your brokenness. The father sees your pain. The father's not drawn to your giftings, but he's drawn to you in your pain today. Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria because there was a broken, wounded woman coming to the well. Jesus hid himself on the other side of the well because if she would have saw him at the well, she'd have turned around and went home because of shame. Brother, there's deep pain. There's deep pain even for what's going on on this row. Your family. The Lord wants you to know he's going to help you lead them right. You're not a failure. Whew. Let it go. You're not a failure. You're not a failure. Let it go, man of God. Come on. Surrender to Jesus this morning. Surrender it all to the Lord. Say, God, I'm yours. God, I'm yours. Tell him. Tell him you're sorry. Tell him you're sorry. Go ahead. Tell him you're sorry. My God. Let it go, man. Let the Holy Ghost pray. Go ahead. Let him praise you. Let him praise you, man. Come on. I just see a son coming home and the father is so pleased with you. I need to do this. He laid over his shoulder and he kissed him on his neck. You know why he fell up on his shoulder? Because that's where burdens and yokes are laid. But when the father ran to the son, he fell up on his neck and he kissed him because he broke the yoke of the world off. You no longer have to look for acceptance in anything. Today, the Father breaks that yoke off of you in Jesus' name. No more, Roger. No more. No more. No more. No more. Woo! My God, man. Jesus.
When we get intimate, the wrong people at the wrong places, we give birth to babies that don't make it. Now listen to me. I'm fixing to speak on something. I, I killed three babies in my sin with abortion. I'm not proud of it one bit. So what I'm fixing to say, let it go, sis. God's going to forgive you to it. Let me tell you something. If you're here today and you've had an abortion or been a part of one, it's horrific to live with. It's murder. You got to confess it that you're a murderer. I had to. But the moment that I did and I asked Jesus to forgive me, he took me to heaven and he showed me in his arms three babies. <laughs> Today I've got three boys. It's not a coincidence that I've got boys because they're seed carriers. tells me my children are going to release what's in me. What the enemy stole, God gave back. Seed carriers. They're going to reproduce after its kind because that's all that a seed can do. Is reproduce what it, after its kind. My three boys are kingdom men. They're kingdom men. And they're seed carriers for the kingdom. So when Bathsheba got in that bed with David, she became pregnant. David tried to cover it up. Brought Uriah in off the battlefield. He even went as far as to get him drunk and said, go home. Sleep with your wife. You know what? Uriah came back to David's head. He said, I got men on that battlefield, and you want me to go drink wine and have sex with my wife? He said, David, who do you think you are? He said, ain't no way I'm going to have pleasure for a moment while I got men that's dying on that battlefield. Uriah had more care and concern and burden for the battle than David did. All David could care about was the bed. Don't tell me that you can't lose a burden for the things of God so quickly. And you trade it for temporary moments of pleasure. Some of you are trading eternal things for temporary moments of pleasure today in this house. I'm telling you, it's here. I'm heavy today. I'm heavy. I feel like, brother, before we can get breakthrough, we got to let God break in. Before Paul and Silas could ever get breakthrough in that prison, they had to let God break in to that inner cell. That's our heart. If God can't never get in that inner cell, he can never open doors for others to be free. And so David and Bathsheba got intimate in that bed. David said, I ain't going down alone. 
So they, they, she became pregnant with a baby. When she became pregnant with a baby, that, that's Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 15 said, And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted, and he went in. He lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of the house arose, and they went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not. Neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. Now hear me closely, new life, because we're fixing to break this. But let me tell you what happens when you're not sensitive and when you're out of position. The baby died prematurely. Seven days the baby lived. We are losing too many things prematurely that shouldn't be lost. <laughs> too many ministries are birthed and it dies prematurely. You know why? Because it was started outside the will of God. We started to get intimate with wrong things. Come on now. We get our feelings hurt here. I'm going to go plant my own church. Try that and see how it happens. I'll start my own jail ministry since Pastor Jonathan wouldn't let me get in his. I'll do my own thing. We wonder why things die prematurely. And guess what? Not only does the death of that child affect you, but it affects those around you. Everybody's watching. The elders see what's going on, and they try to get David up, but David's not budging. When things die prematurely, it affects everybody. It puts everybody in a moment and a season of mourning. It wasn't, listen to this, that shouldn't be lost, but when it's birthed in sin, there will be consequences. It wasn't the baby's fault. My God. It was the two grown people's fault. And both of these adults knew better, but they got out of position. Ha. They both got out of position. Listen to me, husbands and wives. If you get out of position, the enemy's moving in and you'll produce death. Women, if you try to wear the pants in the house, you're out of position. You're not the leader. You're to walk by your husband hand in hand. I'm not being, I'm not being mean or ugly. I'm just telling you. If you get out of order, I'm telling you, the enemy's moving in. Because guess who's going to see the effects of that? Your children. And do we want children to die because we're out of order in our home? It was two grown people's faults, and both of these adults knew better, but they both got out of position, and they both put themselves in a position to fail and produce death. Are you listening? Minister. Married people, listen to me. I don't care how anointed you are. I don't care how big your ministry or your church is. King David was highly anointed. He was sought after by Saul. He was anointed over Judah and Israel. A man, the Bible said, was after God's own heart. But here we find this anointed king at a proper position where all kings should be on the battlefield, including David, but he wasn't and he failed. He fell. 
So who are you and I to think that we can't fall too? Believe it. Believe it. Don't bow down to being out of position. And as I said a while ago to the bride, be true to the people on the battlefield. Don't get near the man that's in the bed. Because if you get near people that have made their bed, I promise you they're going to want one agenda to pull you down in the bed with them. So is this the end of the story? It's a pretty heavy place to stop. Our God's a redeeming God. I said our God's a redeeming God. I said our God's a redeeming God. And when the baby dies, David's heart began to bleed. And I believe here's the moment that breakthrough began to happen. How many of you are ready for breakthrough? Because there were some things that David had to do. If David is going to receive new life, are you with me? So the Bible says this and records, the moment that David found out that the baby had died, the Bible says David heard that the baby was dead. And as David was lying on the ground, the first thing that the Bible says in verse 20 was David got up. David got up. Let me tell somebody this morning in this church, the pull and the gravity to sin is always down. We came from the earth. David was laying on the earth. He was laying prostrate on the ground. But the moment that David found out the baby was dead, the Bible said he got up. Some of you need to get up out of the mully grubs. Some of you need to get up out of your self-pity. Some of you need to get up off the ground where you came from. And you need to do what he did next. Not only did he get up, but he got the dirt off of him. I wish somebody had helped me. I said, you got to get the dirt off. You see, the devil's attracted to dirt. Dirt is where I came from, but I'm not dirt any longer. I'm a child of the most high God. He got up. Then he got the dirt off. He said, I'm not staying down. 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 Church, we got to get up. And we got to get the dirt off our back. Listen to me. Quit taking your dirt from yesterday into your next season. Quit taking your dirt of yesterday into your tomorrow. Ain't nobody wants your dirty laundry to deal with tomorrow. But you know what? As long as I got dirt on me, it gets me attention. Look at the dirt. Let me clean you off, baby. Let me get the dirt off of you. We like that. We like the dirt. Look at all that dirt. Let me haul you out. We love being stroked. So there's a lot of people in the church that get up, but you don't get the dirt off you. You know why Jesus said knock the dust off your feet? Because Satan's attracted to the dust that's on you. 
And so if only thing you do is get up and you don't get the dirt off, then you're just bringing your dirty mess into the next season. Well, I can tell you this. He don't got time for that. I can tell you this house don't have time for that. Not only are you going to get up, church, but you're going to get the dirt off. And you're not only going to get the dirt off, but when you get the dirt off, you're going to get the oil on. My God, he said he put the oil on his body. You know why you get the oil on? Because when you get anointed from when you get anointed from God, the dirt can't stick any longer. The Bible says the anointing breaks the yoke. It breaks the dirt off. Dirt can't stay where the oil of God is. The mark of the mature believer in the end times is going to be the oil. The mark of the mature believer in the end time is going to be the oil. Is the oil on your life? Is the oil on your life? I can assure you this. I can promise you this. When you got oil. People's going to know it. People's going to know I got the oil. I said, people's going to know you got the oil. What's on him? My God is the oil. And guess what dirt's going to do? I can't get near the oil because I can't control him any longer. I can't consume him any longer. I can't bind him up any longer. I see the oil on his life. I see the oil. I see the oil. Shetarabakanda. Rabas. I said I see the oil. And the mark of a mature believer in the end time is going to be the oil. Jesus. The fourth thing David did when he put the oil on, he changed his garment. Because he had a mourning garment on. My God. Some of you don't need a new garment. You need a new wardrobe. Some of you, when you get home, you need to clean your whole closet out because you got skeletons in it. You got stuff hid in your closet that if you're not careful, generations going to find it. When I was five years old, I found porn. In my house. And it led to an awful sexual addiction in my life for years and years and years. Some of you need a new wardrobe. Because everything that you go put on reminds you of your past. And the next thing the Bible says was David worshiped the Lord. If you're going to get free going to have to worship again fully this life with everything that's in you. 
There's a weight <coughs> holding you down and holding you back. I saw you sitting still this morning, and I said, that's not her. You're a warrior. You're a kingdom woman. It's time to change your garment. Get out of mourning. Depression would love to overtake you. There's a spirit of depression hovering over your life of darkness. It's affecting intimacy. I rebuke it off of you now in Jesus' name. It has no right to stay. David worshiped the Lord. Went into the house of God and he began to worship. Church, if you do all the calisthenics through church, but you never worship God, you're missing the whole thing. A lot of us do a lot of that other stuff that I just said for show. Well, I've done all they told me. No, you're missing your intimacy with God. God's calling new life of Lahabra back to intimacy to the Lord. <laughs> Sister Patty, you don't belong in the back. God's calling you to the front. You're a warrior. Get in position. I'm not just talking about up here on the platform. Sis, this kingdom needs you. You're a kingdom woman. Get in position. There's darkness over you. <coughs> trying to make you and put you in the back, push you in the back. But God this morning says call her into position. Get where you belong. You're a powerful woman of God. God has need of you. You're like that donkey that was tied to a post. And people's going to begin to say, why her? And Jesus is going to say, let them alone. I have need of her. So the Lord looses you today of whatever has had you bound. Jesus looses you from all that that's held you down. And the Lord said, I have need of you. He's about to use you like you've yet to be used before in your life. You thought ministry was over. I need to push others to the forefront. But the same unbroke colt that Jesus loosed, he rode in on. My God. The Lord said he's about to use you as never before. He's about to ride in upon you. My God. And it's going to bring a break, great victory. My God. Come up here, sis. I want the whole church to hear. Psalm 51. I want you to open that. You hear that? What, you hear that? 
Psalm 51 says, break the seal off my lips. See, the seal's got to be broke to get what's on the inside out. God said, begin to drink, sis. He's about to flow out of you. See, there's something in that bottle that you need. There's clear water. The Lord said there's things on the inside of you, but you got to be broke again. He's got to break the seal from off of your lips. He said, open my lips. As I was praying this morning, he said, I'm about to break the seal from off of people's lips, Pastor. And he said, they're going to begin to worship like they've never worshipped before. He said, what's pleasing to God, he said, is a broken and a contrite spirit. I looked up the word broken, and it means to bring to the place of birth. Some of you wonder why the season you've been in, what you've been walking through. God said, I'm bringing this house to a place of birth. You've not known anything yet, Pastor. God said the brokenness had a purpose. And he's bringing this house to give birth like you've never known before. You're going to birth new life. Are you ready? Stand to your feet in this house.